Good morning. Did you move that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I told Alexis, <coughs> sorry, we'll just dance up here. I told Alexis that, uh, you know, in, in my weakness, I'll be up here as long as I can be and to be ready to come up. So, Alexis, you ready? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but uh, the Lord is the one who gives the strength, and I believe he has a lot to say this morning. Let's go before him in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. I thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. I thank you that so far I have not had a a coughing fit this morning, so I pray that you keep that clear, uh, at least while you want to use my voice. Father, we trust you. We love you. Keep us pinpointed in our focus on you. Help us not to be distracted by things around us. Help us not to be distracted by things that we think. But to know your heart is to know you. Keep our eyes purely focused on you. For the things around us will be deceptive. Even the circumstances that you use can have meaning that we will not see without knowing your heart. Father, we trust you and we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This has been an interesting I don't know, how long has it been? Ten days, maybe? Something like that? What is today? Today's Sunday, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think about ten days. Um, I got sick the, the day before Christmas. Christmas Day for me was the worst, uh, even though I thank the Lord. He gave me strength to be up with my family in the morning. Um, but I experienced some things that... I've not experienced in my life before in terms of sickness. Um, I am not typically a sick person. In fact, I think I was trying to look back at the last time I got sick, and I think it's been three years, uh, certainly before COVID, long before that. And it wasn't my keen ability to stay away from COVID people that kept me from being sick (laughs) because that never bothered me. Never bothered me if somebody was sick. Just don't sneeze in my mouth or anything, and I'm fine. (laughs) So Lord told me right away this was something that was very specific. It wasn't something that I brought on myself. It wasn't something that, that was the result 
of a correction or anything like that. In fact, when I first got it, well, no, let me back up. (laughs) When I first started to feel something coming on, that was a few days before, and that was when the Lord told me, Something was coming, and he, I think he told me at that time, because perhaps a few days later, it would, would have been a little harder to, to concentrate and to hear and to trust. But, but he said something to me that was a little bit strange. He said, don't pray against this. And I shared that with some people, and I, I may have shared it on, I uh, can't remember if I shared it on God's Squad or not later on. But the Lord told me not to pray against this. The Lord said, just pray for endurance. And so I thought, okay. Well, then, after Christmas Day, that was the worst day. And the next day, it felt a little bit better. It, it felt like my life was not coming to an end. <laughs> and, and I felt like, okay, well, maybe I'm coming out of this. Man, that was like fast. Lord, why? Why in the world did you need me to pray for endurance? <laughs> I should have shut my mouth right there. That's what I should have done. And just trusted that what the Lord has us do, he has us do for a reason. Because then began the second phase, if you will, of this. And, and really that was the peace that I've, I've never felt before. And it was the pain throughout my body. But even that, Lord said to pray for endurance. Now, through that entire time, and even up to this time right now, I don't know what that was about. In fact, in in asking the Lord about that, he didn't even reveal much. But I will read to you what he revealed, what he did say. And this was last Thursday when the court team went before the Lord and I had asked him the question about what this was that I was dealing with. Father said, I have a simple thing to say tonight. Well done. Well done. Well done. I am stabilizing something deep in each of you. Something that can carry who I am and bring my glory to the nations. Stay the course. I love you all. I share that because we don't always get to know what he's doing. But we do get to know it's him. We don't always get to understand the pathways that he chooses in bringing things about. But we can know that it's him. Because he wants us to have confidence in what he's doing. Now, the interesting thing, the Lord had told me, throughout the the sickness that I had, that something would shift at the end of the year. 
of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, aren't we at the end of the year? <laughs> and sometimes I love the Lord's precision because there was a shift right at the end of the year for me. And it was kind of opposite of what you'd think. Like, like when I think of a shift, if, if I'm, if I'm uh, coughing so bad that, that I, I can't breathe, you know, you would think a shift would be that stopping. And right at the end of the year, in fact, it was right into the, the new year, which I'd gone to sleep. We, Lex and I, I think we, were, we went to sleep probably 9.30 or 10. I woke her, her up. I happened to wake up with about 15 seconds left with the ball dropping that we'd left the TV on. And so I just held her hand, and, and that was our New Year's Eve. And after that, I had, I don't know, probably one of the worst coughing fits that I had had through the whole thing. But then got the first decent night's sleep. So anyways, I, I don't want to belabor all this. The point is that there are reasons that we go through things. God does not do anything randomly. Now, sometimes there are things that we bring on ourselves. Don't mix up the two. Don't walk out of purity with the Lord and then think the things coming against you are because, oh, Satan is just able to have this reign in your life, you know, and, and God's allowing him to go after you. Sometimes that's the case, but it is dependent upon your purity. Sometimes we bring things on ourselves. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about when the Lord is doing something substantial in your life, or in this case, substantial in this country, in his bride, in his remnant. That doesn't make sense. His ways are different than our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. We don't always understand the the reason or the way that he does things. But I want to caution you. And not assuming that it's not the Lord. You'll know if it's the Lord if you have intimacy and purity with him in your relationship. That's the only way to truly know. Because this shift that happened New Year's Eve. This is a different shift. And I I remember going back and forth with the Lord over the last few days on this because in my thinking, I always think in terms of prophetically, I think of timing being based on the Jewish calendar, you know. And, well, that was a few months ago, and and it's a little bit different calendar, and and that's what I'm thinking in my mind, thinking, you know, what what does it have, what does New Year's 2022 have to do with anything? Because it's not the Jewish calendar, it's not, you know, doesn't hold any significance. And so I, I, I was wrestling with the Lord with that, trying to understand. And he said that we are not on the Jewish timeline right now because they are not the ones that he is ready 
In fact, who he is readying is for the purpose of what will come back to Israel. But we are very much on a timeline of his bride. We're very much on a timeline of this world. Through that lens, it made sense to me that this shift was over the change to 2022. He said something to me that I asked him if I could write it down. He said, yes. I really think he wanted me to just trust him and try and remember it. And and I did, but I, I just don't want to mess up any of the words. So I'll repeat it to you now. And, and I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm not going to interpret this. Because even reading it through now probably 50 times, I have thoughts about it. But they're just my thoughts. But this is specific to this shift in the new year. The Lord says, <clears throat> What has taken me only 30 days to establish will now reign in terror for 30 months. This will bring about my glory for 30 years. I'll read it one more time. The Lord says, what has taken me only 30 days to establish will now reign in terror for 30 months. This will bring about my glory For 30 years. This new time frame that we're in, don't be confused what it is. Don't think it's simply his wrath. Don't think it is him turning his back. It's just the opposite. It's him listening to his remnant. It's him choosing to no longer delay what he is bringing. He is bringing a purification for his bride. He is bringing hope. Because... In every judgment, in everything that he does, he does not close a door for that hope in him. And that includes this door that is now open. Uh, Lord, he, he just said so many things to me the last 10 days. I... I don't know how to assimilate all of it in my mind. I just know I can tell you it's about to begin. I know he told me that what his bride has reacted in fear over. is going to bring a death that they were afraid of. I know that's a heavy word. 
take it before the Lord. Do what you will with it. Doesn't matter. It will not delay it, nor will it accelerate it, because what the Lord is doing, the Lord is doing. His discipline is beautiful. That's kind of a contradictory term, don't you think? When I grew up, and most of you know, you know, I, I grew up in legalism when I was younger, especially in the churches and the schools that I went to. And when I used to think of his discipline, I used to think of rules. I used to think of, you know, that three-eighths inch dowel rod that my dad used to use because he believed spare the rod and spoil the child. He was very specific. And by the way, it, it worked too. It worked. I love my dad. But that's what I thought of as discipline. And do you know that's not discipline? That's chastisement. There's a difference. And yet God brings us both. Discipline is really training. Discipline is teaching a plan that when received, training is earned. Right? Training is understood. Chastisement is when the training doesn't take hold and there are consequences to that lack of training. Does that make sense? In that chastisement, we learn lessons as well. But we can tend to learn them the hard way. But God uses both of them in our lives. You know, let, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And this is really interesting Alexis was, I don't know if she was, she had this on, on you know, how you play the Bible out loud and stuff. And she had it on last night, and literally, I think I only, I didn't even hear maybe a verse. Might have even just been a couple of phrases, and then she had either put her headphones in or something, I can't remember. But I asked her, what, what verse was that? Because all I heard was the word endure. And I thought, okay, okay, maybe the Lord wants me to pay attention. Because that's all he's been telling me for ten days. And she said, oh, yeah, it's Hebrews 12. So I didn't go there last night, but I went there this morning. Well, I turned to it last night, but I didn't really go through it. But I did this morning. And I want to share a couple of thoughts in this that the Lord shared with me this morning that give a little bit different picture to what's going on. First of all, recognize that Hebrews 12 comes after Hebrews 11. Okay, that seems pretty obvious. Right? But what is Hebrews 11? Hebrews 11 talks about faith. But more than that, it paints a picture. It paints a picture of all of history. It's really an extraordinary chapter. Because this picture of faith 
globally, and not just globally right now, but a picture of history ties us all together in a unique way. Something that was hidden in the Old Testament, Paul said. But only now we can see as the bride what he's doing. But, but look at what, it, let's, let's just go back a couple of verses first. Let's, chapter 11, verse 39. And all these, and, and the Lord had just gone through, or the writer of Hebrews had just gone through listing all these people of faith, right? And all, all the things that, that they were known for in their faith. Verse 39. And all these, though, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. What was provided to us that had not been provided to them? Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The Messiah had been provided to us that had not been provided yet to them. So literally, we play a role in their future. They play a role in our history. Because we're bound together, do you see? Because none of us have received yet what is promised. What was promised? If you go back into chapter 11, it talks about this This city that foundations were built by God. And I remember always thinking, yeah, that's heaven. But it's not. That's not what it was talking about. Because if that's what it was talking about, then they would have received it already. When Jesus, the moment Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, sat at the right hand of the Father... Those who were in Abraham's bosom were taken up because he was the first rapture, right? He was the first resurrection, not the only. They were raised with him. So that means they would have already been receiving this city that God built the foundation of. But that's not what it's talking about. Because he just said that they have not received it. We have not received it. It has not been built yet. Let's go on to chapter 12. Now remember the last part (coughs) of that last verse in 40. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Or that word there is complete. Right? Verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In other words, he's saying here, recognize that you're part of a team, a team that has already gone on before you, that already laid the foundations of faith, that you're to build upon. And you have the power to build upon it even greater because you have been given what they didn't have at the time. 
We have historically been given the manifestation of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who gave his life, who gave everything that he has for your sin and for mine, who took on death himself, who took on sin himself, the shame of the cross. Can you even imagine what that means? I, I remember as a younger man, and, and it, it's so funny how you, you try to quantify things in your mind. Because I, I remember I used to ponder and ask the Lord this question. What actually did you lose, Jesus? What did you lose in giving your life on the cross? Because from a very physical standpoint, a very practical standpoint, it didn't make sense to me. Because, and, and, and I, I say this very, very carefully, because I did at the time say it very carefully. It, was, it wasn't about some arrogance or anything else. It, it, was, it was truly trying to understand what the Lord had given up for me. Because I thought, well, if I was God, and I knew that by inserting myself into my own creation, coming and living in this world for 33 years, giving my life on a cross, being beaten, and then my life being taken, but knowing Satan can't defeat me. Right? I, I, I know the prophecies even that have been spoken through the prophets. And, and I'm just trying to tell you what all was going on in my mind. Knowing full well, Satan, this would be his defeat. It wouldn't be my demise if I was God. So really my sacrifice is 33 years for mankind. That's a no-brainer to me. Of course I would. Anybody would. Anybody would, would suffer being beaten to the point of death. And, and I'm, I'm assuming anyone. Any rational thought person would do that and would be willing to do that. Would they want to go through that? Of course not. But in rational thought, would they do that? Yes. And I remember thinking, there's got to be more. It couldn't be just that physical pain that God had to go through, that Jesus Christ had to go through, that paid for my eternal sin. See, because if I die without Jesus Christ and I die in my sin, I die eternally. Right? That's the difference between heaven and hell. There is an eternal concept to my payment of sin. So I was trying to understand in my mind, then what is your eternal concept? Your eternal payment for my sin. And that's what we learn in relationship with him. But see, what we'll never understand as human beings, because we're not God, we can't even get in the mind frame of God. 
We can't even pretend in my mind how would I feel if I was God. Because we have no we have no capacity to understand. But the Bible says right here in this next verse that he took on our shame. He took on the shame of the cross. What was the shame of the, the cross? It was the shame of our sin. It was the, the shame of something that he took on that we deserved. And that's where I can't fathom the payment that he paid for us. But again, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight. Let's lay aside every sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. There's a lot in that statement right there. Do you know what he did for these 33 years was not just come to pay for his sin. But he came to teach you and to teach me how to have faith. That's what it says here. He became the founder and perfecter of our faith. Wait a second, if our faith is in him, what? kind of goes circular in my brain a little bit. He was the one who first had to believe as a man who he was. He had to have faith in the Lord's voice himself. He learned to walk a path of this faith to show you how to walk it. That isn't to say that now you can just automatically walk it. He showed the pathway. But the only way to walk it is to take his hand and let him guide you down it. But you know, you have so much more than just that. You have this great cloud of witnesses. All these who have gone on before. You have them up there waiting eagerly for the same thing. Do you get a sense of that? I mean, we've heard prophets talk about it, about how excited they are in heaven for what is going on right now. I know the Lord has told me that. And it's funny because in my mind I think, why should they be excited? They're already in heaven. It's because it's not about heaven. It's about this foundation of a city that is being built. That is built by the perfect plans of God. Him laying the foundations. That is what is being built here in his bride at this time. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever built a building... I mean, you know, you begin with foundation, right? It's not a pretty thing. It's not a pretty thing. You don't, you don't get in there. You don't go to this piece of land and then all of a sudden it just have these beautiful things. No. 
And you go in there with usually a big excavator. This big old honkin' hunk of metal that goes and starts to dig. And it digs down to where you get down to the baseline of where you need to be. Once all the junk is dug out, then you start to form things that you begin with. You start to form the footings. What are the footings? The footings are the piece that, that the foundation stands upon. The footings are supposed to be the portion that is the most rock solid of the entire structure. Goes back to the, the parable of, you know, building the house on the sand. Right? The, the foundation. In this case, the beginning of that, which is the footers. They have to be on that strong soil. So to get to that, you gotta rip a lot of crap out. You get in there with an excavator. You have a plan already, and you begin to dig. That's what God's doing right now. He's digging. He's removing. He's getting out of the way all the junk that would come in the way of those footers being put in solidly. Because once the footers are in, the rest of the foundation moves along the same lines. When the foundation is in, the rest of the building kind of falls in line. Do you understand that if the beginning isn't right, nothing will be right? If the beginning is right, then as long as you pay attention to the formula, you will stay on course. That's how God works. God cannot, will not build from a faulty foundation. He can't. That's why you can't even build relationship with him without knowing him as Savior. I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? That if you don't know him as Savior, you don't even have the plumb line to show you the right way. But as you know him as Savior, then you let him strip away from you the things that get in the way. That's why it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's Set aside every weight, every sin that tries to cling so closely. And, and by the way, it's not always the ones that you recognize as obvious that cause the most damage. You know, I mean, certain sin is pretty obvious. You know, if you, if you have a temptation to lie and you lie all the time, okay, that, that seems like a pretty obvious thing, right? If you have a porn addiction and, and you deal with that and, and you keep going back to it, okay, that's a pretty obvious thing. 
But what about the things that are not so obvious? What about worry? What about fear? Do you know those are the ones that usually carry the tightest grip on our lives? And they usually go back to something that we really don't want to give up. And that is control. That's where God comes in, because he knows your heart. And he takes that excavator, and he rips through all the junk. He just rips it out. Because you said yes. Remember that. You said yes. And thank you for saying yes. I'm thankful that his bride says yes. But he does rip it out, and he says, run with endurance the, the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. <laughs> Read that. That makes no sense. You are going to die. Oh, the joy. Think about it. The joy that was set before him made him want to endure the cross, the shame of the cross, taking on sin that was not his. Oh, man, we think we have it bad. People ridiculing us. You know, people thinking we're ridiculous and everything else. Imagine what he went through. Imagine in a human sense what he went through, but how about... In a spiritual sense, I I don't know about you, but I think one of the hardest things would be him thinking that, that Satan even thought that he had a victory. That would make me the most sick of anything, is Satan thinking that he had a victory. Kind of fooled him, didn't it? Because what he thought was his victory was was truly his greatest defeat. But Jesus, because of the joy that was set before him, what was the joy? The writer of Hebrews talked about it just earlier. That city whose foundation was built by God. Jesus came with the instructions. He came with the plumb line. And he said, it's time to begin. You've just got to take this from my hand and you've got to do it. And for 2,000 years, the bride has taken the hands and put them in its pocket. And not taken that plumb line from Jesus' hand. Some have tried. Some have moved in ways that you would see the kingdom through them. But others fought it. See, we're at a different time now. Still, people fight it. People in the bride. But the Lord has heard the cries of his remnant and he will wait no longer. It is happening now. If you think, 
If you think that you could count on things being the same as they have been over the last 50 years as a bride, you're fooling yourself and you are in for a very, very difficult road. Because the Lord is coming to vindicate his people. He is coming to bring discipline to his people. To bring love to his people. I want to go down. Verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. That you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. By the way, the word there is admonishment. The word there is training. Nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. You've got two different types there. You've got a training and then you've got correction. And the Lord does both to his children because of love. Because what he wants is this city that is about to be built. This is not something for the, for the millennium. This is not something that will be done in heaven. This is something that will be done on the earth, and it is time. It is time for the bride to come together. And the Lord will orchestrate that. So don't be afraid of what's coming. Don't be afraid of what has been talked about this past year that now will come to pass. Because it is for the readying of the bride. It is for love's sake. Just ask him what part you're to play. Ask him to give you your plumb line. Because he is beginning to put that foundation together. There is no more delay. For that matter, there has not been a delay for a while now. (laughs) Even though our understanding of delay is a little bit different. Because we have these thoughts in our mind. Nothing's delayed. If anything seems delayed, it is for the hope of those who would turn to him. Alex, come on up. Lord, we just trust in what you're doing. I think the reason so many people have heard from the Lord, as I've been sharing and talking with people, one of the the most... Um, common things that people are being told is this. I'm hearing it prayed. I'm hearing it shared in testimony. I'm just hearing it in conversation, which is even in the Nigerian calls, um, when we do the prayer calls with the team there, 
And it's the Lord wanting this focus on him, focus on him, this attention on him, this this absolute listening for his voice, listening for his ways and, and letting everything be a focus, whether it was before, um, you know, like just after Christmas, before the new year, heading into this year, it's all been a focus, um, an invitation to focus on him. And it's really because in watching the foundation being, being dug out and laid, there are, there are his ways. I, I always kind of use the, the analogy of, of a detox, essentially. You know, we've been praying about exposure for years, and the Lord has been exposing. He's been, he even really quite divinely, um, you may disagree with this, but it's, I know many have seen it this way. He will, unbeknownst to a person, he will have a divine um, uh, tagline attached to some of their ways. And when, when Donald Trump was campaigning initially, you know, um, before he became president, it, it was drain the swamp. And I thought, Lord, that is your line. That is your answer to our prayers. It was an interesting thing that he said, but it was God's plan to bring and expose. And those kinds of things, you know, a detox process, is even for those in um, you know who understand uh, the medical physio- physiological process of detoxing through something, it still is very unique and different to each person. And if we're not in tune with the Lord's voice and hearing His His ways, we're we're going to find ourselves responding or reacting in ways that won't be in sync with His heart. See, because knowing how to navigate through these times that are upon us have to be in that place of abiding. And we really need to know what he is doing and what he is saying. And so um, when you sit with the Lord, remember, there's a lot we have to tell him. There's a lot of prayer requests we bring to him. But sit with his word, ask him where to go in the word, and then listen to what he's saying to you. Because that, that's going to be really important. Again, we're, we're not talking about the tribulation um, for anybody that may be confused about that. These are the times of the readying of the bride and the unification of, of God's people. And it's taking a lot of um, tearing down of things that are not of God to bring about people in lead of one Holy Spirit. And that's going to look um, quite perilous. Because I know I talk about perilous times, and some people equate that only to the tribulation. But that's not what we're talking about. Um, but these are going to be interesting days, and we won't know exactly how to respond to things that are going to be painful or difficult um, unless we know the heart of the Father. Because God is good all the time. Romans 8.28 is something Christians know backwards and forwards, and yet still we fail to apply it to things that are really difficult and painful to our own lives. I know that's the thing that the Lord's discipline in my life has taught me, is some of the most painful things I've been through, some of the things that I have thought were the moments of Lord? How could how could this happen? How could how could you do this to me? How could whatever these questions I've had from the Lord, and as He has refined me and shown me how to walk with Him, I now 
look back and say, wow, okay, thank you. Thank you. I was so limited in my desire, like a child that's having a fit that they can't have, um, you know, a donut for breakfast when, you know, when they, let's say, struggle with a diabetic issue and the, and the parent is saying no for their good. It's like, I love you. I don't want this for you. Diabetic or not, it's not good to have a donut for breakfast. <laughs> but, but it's like this fit of all I want is that pleasure to be, to be experienced in this immediate moment. And the Lord's like, I love you too much to allow these indulgences that you don't even want, like what Greg was saying. He sees our heart, and he, he meets us at the point of our heart's cry beyond what our flesh thinks it wants. And he teaches us and shows us. And now I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for these difficult things. Thank you for these painful experiences, even painful rejections in the moment that were the best Thing that ever happened. They were things that got out of my way that I didn't even know I was dependent on for a part of who I thought I was or needed to be. See, when you don't know what you don't know, you need a God who knows everything and knows his own creation. And so that's, I think, why he keeps saying over and over again, listen, listen, listen. And I just want to say, for anyone, probably not necessarily here, but online, don't ever let, if there's ever a squeeze when you hear the words, God told me, and he told me this, and he told me that, the Lord should be talking with you if you have a relationship with him. When, when we say the Lord told us, we don't have the franchise on his voice. Jesus died for all to receive him. And when you receive him in relationship, you receive communication with him. And that is the beautiful thing. And so he ought to be, he is speaking to you, and you ought to be able to hear his voice. And he wants us to tune in. And when I learned to tune in and learned that he was talking to me, and now he's now showing me things he was saying to me as a child that I didn't even know. He's opening my eyes to past things that he was showing me. It's such a... It's a beautiful, amazing thing. But God is uh, expecting us to be walking with him. And I won't say it at all now, um, but Psalm 27 is what we went over in the ladies' class. Oh, go and do do a deep dive in that. Verse 4 in particular. That's Greg's life verse, but that's where he wants us, dwelling in his tabernacle and experiencing the beauty of his holiness. Did you want to say something before I close in prayer? Okay. Don't want to stay here. The Lord wants me to just be obedient to him. I release this pestilence in Jesus' name over this land that will reign for 30 months. It is to do its work that God has ordained it to do. I stand in agreement, Father, from this realm with your will and your will to be done. In Jesus' name.
Father, we love you. We praise you, God. Oh, God, open our ears to hear and our eyes to see what you have called us into with you. What purpose you have given for our lives, God, that we would step in what you have asked of each of us to step in. Help us to speak your words, that we might have your mind and your words and be able to say, I believe, therefore I have spoken. God, we desire your will. All the glory, all the glory belongs to you. Apart from you, Lord Jesus, we can do nothing. But God, to to be able to declare, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. And that you will supply every need according to the riches of your glory in Christ Jesus. God, that just takes this fine-tuning, close relationship with you. It's easy to say that, much different to walk in it. It is so sadly foreign that when it is walked in, it is misunderstood for arrogance, when yet you have given a confidence. You've given us bold access directly before your throne because the veil has been torn. You said in Hebrews that we might obtain mercy and grace to find help in our time of need. So God, help us to hear you, to step when you lead us, to speak when you direct us. God, that everything in the path you have us on will be released according to your will. And we will declare, as Jesus did, not my will, but thine be done. Father, I praise you. I thank you, God. Lord, let us cling closely to you in the coming days, weeks, and months. God, as your glory is seen, show us what that means. Because it means something quite different than on the surface we understand. Help us to see in your word what it means for you to have your glory. Because we give that to you, Lord, with our yes, with our love, with our worship. So I praise you and I lift up the name of Jesus. Amen.